And now, you priest, this warning is for you. If you do not listen, and if you do not resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I've already cursed them, because you have not resolved to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear on your faces the dung from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent this warning so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace. And I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty and people seek instruction from his mouth. But you have turned from the way and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I've caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways but have shown partiality in the matters of the law. This is the word of the Lord. I appreciate uh, Ben reading that. I, I had uh, I wanted him to read, partly because he's a big, strong guy, and it's a real strong passage, and partly because I didn't want a woman to have to read about dung being spread on faces. <laughs> you know, this is a uh, this is a, a hard passage. It's a hard word. Um, and so really tonight, if you're visiting with us and you would say, you know, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't really identify myself as a Christian, um, it's actually a really good night to kind of like observe and do some thinking and contemplating on what you've seen in the church versus what your expectations have been. Uh, and if you are a follower of Jesus, tonight is a night that we're going to start talking about priests and pastors, but it's going to be incredibly personal by the time we get to the end because this is going to apply to all of us. And so that's part of what I love in going through the whole council of scripture, not, not skipping the hard parts. Um, I, th- I think that we want to, we kind of want to bring the hard parts of the Bible back. Uh, it's, you know, not just the same 10 verses that everybody has highlighted in their Bible. We want to like, we want to dig in and see what is the Lord saying and wrestle, wrestle with that. Uh, I, I want you to know just right out of the gate, We're going to look tonight at what is a trustworthy pastor, how does that person finish well, and we're going to get into that anyone who is a follower of Christ is now in the priesthood of believers, and whoever honors the name of the Lord, I'll just go ahead and give you the punchline, whoever honors the name of the Lord, they will not fall. Uh, I, I, I... was thinking about um, a few folks that I know specifically as I was writing this sermon, because this is like a fear and trembling sermon. You're talking about like, what is a good pastor? As a pastor delivering it, you can see like the danger signs, um, how that could go sideways pretty quick. But I just, before we pray and, and really get rolling, um, there's a few folks in this room, a couple of you, um, I got a text from one of you about how your dad was a pastor and how he had um, he had a moral failure in ministry. Um, uh, 
there's, I'm just going to say because David's here. David has um, a, a few different stories. David Bailey, who runs um, all, pretty much the whole church for us, he's back there at the sound booth. But David, um, David has so many stories. If anybody in this room has, uh, has been given an excuse to walk away because of priests and pastors, like the one that uh, Ben just read in this passage, it's David, and yet he's here. And he's working in a church and he's faithfully loving the Lord and following the Lord. So this is like a, it hits near and dear to a lot of folks. So as we jump into um, seeing what happened that the Lord would rebuke these priests so sternly and apply that to how so many folks in ministry today um, have either fallen or have led people astray like these priests, and then how in the world can we trust anybody who stands in a place like I'm standing and delivering a message? So let's, let's just go to the Lord and let's ask for his wisdom and grace. Lord, we do ask that you, as Will just prayed, would speak through your Holy Spirit, through your word, that we would recall the things that you are going to speak to us tonight, Lord. And so would you just um, give me an extra measure of grace, um, not as the, uh, the forerunner of what it means to be a godly pastor, but instead, Lord, someone who stands humbly in your shadow and in the blood of Christ, just asking for mercy um, and wanting to finish well to honor you. And so, Lord, would you just speak in this place tonight? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I mean, since Sunday, I've had two people tell me of their, uh, their stories of pastors similar to these priests who either fell in ministry or led them um, astray. Uh, one of my, you know, I always, always quote Rich Mullins, and in this series, I'm quoting, um, you know, Matthew Henry every time, so let's just stay true to the form. Um, Rich has this old song, You Wouldn't Like It. I'm telling you, you wouldn't like his music, but his words are great. Um, and from 1997, and he said, and one of the lines in the song is, the preacher's thinking thoughts of the wicked. I remember in middle school, I was standing, um, I have three of these little, little stories to tell you. I started to make a list, and it got so depressing and exhausting, I stopped. Um, but here's three quick stories. I remember being in middle school, sitting in, uh, in church, I sat, always sat like right over here, like all growing up. Yeah, like right over here, every Sunday. If you have a seat, welcome. Um, like, and don't sit in their seat. Um, I'm just kidding. Like, we can we can move around here. But like, I always sat like right. No, I saw some nose. Uh, I sat right over here, and I remember our pastor got up, and he had like a different tone. He wasn't preaching, um, but instead he was addressing something that I felt like I was the last person in the room to know about. And it was a minister on staff who had been um, who had been skimming off the top of the offering for like a really long time, and they just found out about it. And so he addressed why that man had been dismissed and what had happened in the whole process. Um, and as a middle schooler, that was the first time I had heard of, of, a, of a bad, to use the term in Malachi, a bad priest. Um, and so I didn't know that that was a thing, but now my eyes are open to, okay, that's a thing. Um, and then I've told this story before, but when I was a senior in high school or maybe a junior, I think it was a junior, we were, me and my girlfriend and her friend were all in my truck and we were driving in North Georgia just enjoying a day kind of like this. It was a Saturday. We looked over and we saw my youth pastor and his secretary or assistant like riding in her car beside us, which was weird. It was definitely a church where like you don't, 
men and women who are not married don't ride alone in cars. Like it was like, that was one of the policies. And so, plus they were like a really long way from the church. And, uh, and then we found out it was all worst case scenario. And so, so the next several hours were everything from like, you know, a 17 year old talking to all the people who are in charge about what you saw. And then like all these layers uncovering. And within 24 hours, he was out of his house, left his wife and his five-year-old. Um, she had left her husband. It was just like damage everywhere damage everywhere, let alone the 100-plus person youth group that he was leading and all that they had to deal with. Um, and then, you know, just to, like, make it super mainstream, you know, uh, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast went from, like, a little bit of a church world to, like, people everywhere hearing about how this church pastor in Seattle um, was just a, just really mean to people, abusive uh, and so that that happened and came out publicly. I actually interviewed um, the his right hand person, this guy on my sabbatical in 2014. Me and a buddy went to Seattle and uh, we were on a climbing trip, but I was making it like a legit trip because I was on my sabbatical. So I met with the staff at Mars Hill because at that point they were like all the rage. Every church in the country was like Mars Hill has got it going on. They're like out in the wild west, and people are coming to Jesus. And I met with this guy one week before they would release to the world what had been going on at Mars Hill. And he said in that meeting, he said, Mark's a great preacher. Hear me on this. This is important. You can have a really flawed person in habitual rebellion against God in a sin in their life deliver really good sermons. And that's like terrifying. And so he said, Mark's an incredible preacher. He's terrible with people. And it's just, I mean, story after story. So like, I, I, I just, we could go on, but like, it would just, it would be horrible. We would all be, we would all be clinically depressed afterwards. Um, I mean, like really, it's just terrible. So I think you have to ask the question if you're like critically thinking, so why can I stand here? Why would the church put me here? Why would you come on a Tuesday night and hear a sermon that I might give? Well, I would just say that if, if, You've seen uh, the things that I've seen from people in my position, it would make you nauseous, but I would also say this. If you knew all the things that I've done and thought, that would make you nauseous also. And so I hope you see as this sermon continues, as we look at this passage, as we look at some New Testament passages, I hope what you'll see is maybe a more clear answer of how any of us can stand up here and deliver sermons knowing that the only one who is perfect is Jesus himself. And so let's just go with the scene. Here's, here's the scene. This is how we got to what Ben read in chapter two. So if you have your Bible still open, we're gonna actually look back because this saga starts in chapter one. It actually starts like early in chapter one, like in verse six of Malachi one. So I'm just gonna show you, um, I'm just gonna show you some verses on the iPad, and here's here's how this all like um, here's how this all played out. So in Malachi, I'm in one six here. It says, "This is the Lord saying, as the son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am father, where is my honor? If I am master, where is my fear?" Says the Lord of hosts, "O priest, who despise my name." When a person 
is revealed to be wicked and sinful in a spiritual leadership position, you can guarantee that he or she is guilty of the exact same thing. They, dis- they start to despise the name of the Lord instead of honor the name of the Lord. Everyone who honors the name of the Lord, though he stumble, he will get back up. Though she stumble, she will get back up. But this habitual state of despising the name of the Lord is what has happened. And so then they say, well, how have we despised you? They ask the question here, like, well, how? And so the Lord answers, well, when you tell people to bring their, their offerings to me and they're blind, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? And he says, present that to your own governor. Will your governor accept those kinds of gifts? And so what has happened? The priests have become corrupted, and therefore, hear me on this, the people that follow them become corrupted too. As the church leadership goes, so goes the church. On Halloween, we're going to have an incredible night here. It's a Tuesday. All the holidays are Tuesday this year, um, all meaning like two, July 4th and Halloween. Um, and so like we're going to have uh, we're going to have like the fire pits out there and we're going to do s'mores and we're going to have a fun night in here. And I'm going to preach on spiritual warfare. And uh, and then we'll just hang until like, well, when Will plays the closing time song, you won't hear it because you'll be outside. Um, and so we'll just lock the doors. But um, but anyway, it'll be great. But uh, as we. As we celebrate uh, uh, not just like a, a fun night of like what is spiritual warfare, it's also Reformation Day. And when you think about Reformation Day, the church, uh, the church had been so led astray. Well, why? Same thing that happened in Malachi 1, 6 through 2, 9. Because the priest had become corrupted. And so they needed a reformer to stand up and say, this is not how it ought to be. In fact... In verses 10 and 11, the Lord is calling for a reformer. He says, oh, that there were just one among you who would shut the doors. The Lord's not even calling for somebody to give good sermons or sing good songs. He's calling for them to like bolt the door shut on the temple. Put up a sign. Close for repairs. And so we see this we see this uh, this whole like the Lord confronting them and combating them and describing what's been going on. And then he says, here's exactly what the priests are thinking. And they say, oh, but honestly, God, serving you, what a weariness this is. You only think that serving God is weariness when you've stopped honoring him as Lord in your heart. I saw when Will like strummed the guitar and the band kicked in, like a bunch of you were like throwing your hands up and you Presbyterians were questioning it. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. Just a little jab. Um, we're just trying to like slowly make everybody a little more charismatic. Uh, but no, like people were like throwing their hands up and like, do you know why? Because you're, you're trying to honor the Lord. You're trying to like show like, man, I've been at the desk. I've been at the hospital. I've been at the office. I've been at the place. And like, that is not who I'm honoring most, Lord. I'm honoring you most. And so you would not say this is a weariness. But those of you that are living in two worlds, the Jesus world and the world world, sooner or later, it'll be a weariness. So 
Let's, let, let, let me just show you. This is great. Do you ever use the Bible Project? I love their stuff. This is a map of Malachi. So great. You know, I like, I like to, I mean, I'm def- definitely a kinesthetic learner. I can't talk to you without this white pen in my hand. Um, but like, like, this is the book of Malachi. And what's really, really cool about this is that uh, Malachi was written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit um, in, in two big parts. And the first part is God exposing Israel's corruption, and he does it three times. Three times he exposes their corruption. He talks about rejecting the love of God. We talked about that last week. This week he talks about bad offerings. And, uh, and then right after that in chapter two, he talks about divorce. And so that's all like right here in this part. And then in the second set of three, God it confronts, uh, he doesn't just expose, he confronts the sins. And so he confronts justice, tithing, and trusting. He confronts these three things. And so what do you have? You have three and you have three. So all total, that's six. There we go. It's a magic trick. Um, and so like, I was really hoping I would get that right. I was really afraid that it would be like this and that'd be wrong. Yeah, no, he has, he has six things that he pops up here. What is six? Six is the number of man. Man is incomplete. And so God's saying, you're failing. The overarching story of Malachi is you're failing. I'm going to show you six areas and six is incomplete. So, so Malachi, you show them they're failing, but what's beautiful What's beautiful is that it doesn't end that way. Malachi ends with this incredible verse, verse chapter four, verse two. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out like, leap, like calves leaping from the stall. That verse is quoted in the New Testament as well. Jesus is the son of righteousness. And so the Lord is telling the faithful, because there is a faithful remnant, hey, hold on, hold on. Don't give in to what the priests are saying. Don't be delusioned by the church. Don't be disheartened. The Lord will come for you. And so I did like zoom in, by the way, on where we are. And so here's a visual. If you're a visual learner, this is what verse one, in chapter one, verse six through two, verse nine is. You see the people here. Um, this is clearly, um, this goat is throwing up. Um, and this one, you decide. And so like, these are the offerings that they are bringing to the temple. And here's what the priests are saying. They're saying, totally fine. Yeah, that's great. No problem. It's fine. And so, look, this is true today. The church follows the pastors. It's always true. And so that's why it's like, that's why James says, don't many of you be teachers, my brothers, for the judgment for you is stricter, James 3. Look, you would think once the Lord rebuked the people, rebuked the priest, that they would just be like, fine, I'll get God off my back. We'll just start offering better offerings. But remember, this is a weariness, and it's actually not the first thing God wanted. Here's like a little side note teaching for you. If you're convicted about something, um, and if, again, if you're new to checking this out, what I mean by convicted is the Holy Spirit 
moves in a person's heart and reveals something. The Holy Spirit is, is uh, in, in the book of John, the Lord is compared to light a bunch. And so imagine a dark room and all of a sudden a flashlight is in that room and it's shining on things. And the Holy Spirit's really good at being very specific on how he convicts. And so he shines that light on one specific thing. The easy thing to do is just like correct your behavior. But that's not what the Lord wants first. He wants the priest to honor him. That's what he wants first. I mean, that's what David said in Psalm 51. We were in a teaching meeting yesterday, and and Barrett Fisher reminded me of this passage. It's so good. Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God, look at this. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. But to these folks... Remember what they said? They said, what a weariness this is. You know, honestly, it is such a temptation at times, like to just kind of slack a little bit in like, just, I'm speaking about me personally, like the hard work of ministry, um, like the, the sermon writing, um, the counseling with you. Uh, I mean, I love you, but like, you got a lot of problems. Um, like praying for you, honoring Heather all the time, um, you know, uh, personal devotion, like waking up in the morning and not watching Sports Center and like trying to, to divorce myself from my phone for a little while, um, like a personal devotion to God, charity, um, like exhorting you to keep going in the faith, sharing the gospel. All of that, honestly, is kind of exhausting. When I do it in my own strength. And if I were to do all those things in my own strength, what's today? Today's Tuesday? By Friday, like I would be, I would be totally corrupt, I think. Like I'm not that strong of a person. I think by Friday I would be like, I would have committed some pretty, some pretty bad sins. And so, look, here's the deal. When I honor the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the strength of the Lord that enables me to follow him. The Lord allows me to see the beauty in my wife. The Lord allows me to to want to hear the sin in your life and the issues in your life and counsel. I want to share the gospel. You know why? Because it's an overflow. It's not first correct the behavior. It's first love the Lord and honor him. And out of that, you get to serve out of an overflow. And the priest have long since turned that tap off. And so I think we have to ask, like, okay, well, what happened? Where did they where did they go wrong? And I think to do that, maybe we ought to just like real quick just do a little review because we're gonna we're gonna start to transition from the priest of this day to like, okay, so what does this mean for you and I today? So the priest in the old testament, the reason they like I know we still have priests today and we have pastors and we have like, um, diff, you know, ministers. There's like a variety of titles. But at, that, at this point, they were just the priests. And so they were of the tribe of Levi. 
And, uh, and so these priests in the tribe of Levi were the only ones that were given access to, to administering um, the offerings that were brought to facilitate all the things that happened in the temple from lighting the lamps to the showbread to, um, to offering the sacrifices. And once a year, only once a year, they could go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God lived. And so these were the people that were the liaison between God and man. And so if they got corrupt, you can guarantee everybody else got corrupt because they're giving false information about who God is. They're despising the holiness of God in these sacrifices. They're despising the future promise of Jesus coming, who is the perfect lamb, by offering all these all these. Uh, Three-eyed, throwing up lambs. Um, like they're, they're, they're doing all this stuff. And so what, that, what happens, though, in the New Testament when Jesus is on the cross, in Luke uh, 23, 44 through 46, it says, it was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he breathed his last. So the, the veil covered the holy from the holy of holies, the place that, where the presence of God was supposed to dwell, and it tore when Jesus died. And so what happens about 50 days later is that the presence of God, the spirit of God, comes in and dwells those first followers of Jesus. And now everybody, because the presence of God is now living in their lives, has entered into the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus. And so what happens after that? Peter writes a couple of books and, or a couple of letters. And in the first letter that he wrote, 1 Peter 2, 9, he says, but you, not me, Thomas, pastor of young adults at Christ's covenant, but just Thomas, follower of Jesus. You, if you are a follower of Jesus, you follower of Jesus, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you, I love this line, out of darkness into marvelous light. There's that light reference again. So do you see like what a big deal this is that Peter could write this? These folks knew about priests. They knew how big of a deal it was to go into the presence of God. And now Peter says, let me just tell you what's happened. Now that the Holy Spirit has come and dwells with believers, you are priests. Why? Because you have entered, really the Holy of Holies has entered into you and you are inseparable. And so you and I, we are priests regardless of what the title is on our job. We are the priesthood of believers. We are just like the folks that are talked about in Malachi 1 and 2. This is a huge deal. Look, this is, this is such a big deal. And that's why like, honoring the name of the Lord is like your first call. Reminding yourself of the gospel, telling yourself who died for you, reminding yourself of how powerful it is that you are like a priest in the Holy of Holies, not just one day a year, but every day of your life after coming to know Christ. You and the Holy of Holies are inseparable. And yet I fear that we still, I thought like old Southern Christianity had died, but it hasn't. You know what I mean by old Southern Christianity? 
Like, you know, backseat Friday night, front row Sunday morning. There we go. All right. You were right. Will said when you say that, it's going to be a second. Um, yeah, like, like that's like old school Southern Christianity. It's like, I mean, I have my, like my church life, but I have like my, my life life. Think about that, though. How troubling would it be if that was my life and you knew about it? When it comes to priesthood, we're the same. We are the royal priesthood. There's no room for backseat Friday night, front row Sunday morning. Not for the priest. Otherwise, we're just like the ones in Malachi. And we too are corrupting the message of God. And so, so then in the New Testament, while we all are priests uh, in the priesthood, the Lord does separate some and call them to be pastors. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, if you're taking notes, 4, 11 through 13 is a great place where Paul says, hey, here's kind of some of the offices of the church in Titus 1, in 1 Timothy, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, those are both places where qualifications of people who are pastors and elders, that's they're described. The treatment, <clears throat> the treatment of them is described in 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18. And so I think we have to say, but, but where, did they, where did these folks go wrong? Where did it all fail? And how do we avoid it? I think it's simple. Over time, following the Lord got hard. Um, Dahadi Lewis was over here yesterday for something. Some of you know Dahadi. He, I don't think he's pastoring at Blueprint anymore. I think he's like still works there some, but it's like doing another ministry. But anyway, um, Dahadi was here, and uh, Jason, uh, Jason D is our lead pastor. He was like, Dahadi, give us a word. And uh, Dahadi's like, I'm just here to pick up tents um, for an event. And he's like, no, nah, give us a word. And he said, okay. He said, when you read 1 Timothy, Paul's pumped. When you read 2 Timothy, Paul's tired. And he says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. He says, this thing's hard. I've had people leave me all over the place left and right. He said, so Timothy, it's more like being a soldier. Do the hard work of being a soldier and be a good soldier. Be faithful to the Lord. I think they just got tired of soldiering. I think they got tired of carrying the load. And so they just... Their, their love for the Lord just kind of dried up. Um, in the passage that Ben read, he starts off and he says, Oh, now, and now, O oh priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, you will not take it to heart. To what? To give honor to my name. Do you see this? Before you start thinking about all these corrections you might need to make in your behavior, the place we start is let's give honor to the one who saved us. That's where it all starts. Rekindling the love, not managing behavior. And he goes, he goes on, and starting in, uh, in, in verse 5, he really, through, through verse 7, he really gives this incredible picture of what the man of God is supposed to be, what the priest is supposed to be. And so as a pastor, I thought this was so encouraging, so challenging, but as the priesthood of believers, I think it applies to all of us. So I've got it right here. This is an Old Testament idea that is still true today in the priesthood of believers. My covenant with him, this is Levi, was one of life 
and peace. Do you realize that's the covenant the Lord's put on all of us in Christ? So this is where you start to check yourself. How's the life in peace? If it's death and stress, something's off the tracks. And I gave them to him. It was a covenant. Now, this is interesting. We have a language change. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. Interesting that life and peace came out of fear and fearing the Lord. That is honoring the Lord's name, starting to appreciate his holiness, his otherness that's different than you and I. It's the kind of stuff that when we, we, we start to think about, like backseat Friday night, front row Sunday morning, it makes us sick. Why would I want to do that? That's not fearing the name of the Lord. That's not fearing who he is. That's not reverencing him. He's called me to a life of, uh, he's called me to life that is life and peace. Then it says that, that he stood in awe. I love that. He stood in awe of what of my name. This is somebody who is treasuring, thinking about who the Lord is, loving him with his heart, his soul, his mind, his strength. And then the practical application of after that, after these things, this is what the priesthood should look like. True instruction was in his mouth. No wrong was found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness. And I love this. He turned many from sin. The lips of the priest should guard knowledge and the people should seek instruction from his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. I know you come on Tuesday nights and you, you hope to hear a word from God. I hope that God gives us a word every week. I pray and labor and just tonight I was praying and I said, Lord, I trust that you're gonna show up. I trust that you are gonna meet us and you're gonna give us a word. Do you realize as a kingdom of priests, whether it's Home Depot or Choa or Coke or wherever it is that you go during the day and they give you a paycheck when you leave, wherever that place is, you are around folks that are hoping someone will, will turn them from their sins. Someone will give them instructions from their mouth who walks with peace and uprightness with God. And so the litmus test for a godly pastor isn't much different than the litmus test for the priesthood of believers. Do they fear God? Do they speak the truth? Do they live the truth? Do they walk in peace? Are they turning people from sin to Jesus? Have, do they have the word of God on their lips? I think we've got that in, in, a, in a slide. I think maybe, Reagan, do we? Did I not put that? Ah, we did, okay. Um, if, you're, if you're the note taker, you're gonna, you just get mad at me if we don't have them. Um, and so there we go. Here's, here's where I think it all went wrong. In Malachi 2.2, the Lord tells them to honor him. And so this this will be the priest. This will be God. And these are all the people in Malachi. I think what, what happened is this great reversal. You see, the priest was supposed to go to God. 
And God, therefore, was then going to speak to the priest and then the priest to the people. But I think what ended up happening is this incredible reversal. I think the priest began to go to the people. And then the people would report to the priest. And then the priest would try to fit that into the plans of God. The New Testament says it a little different. In Matthew 22, 36 through 40, it says that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength. It's quoting Shema from Deuteronomy 6. And then it says that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now listen to me, because every pastor that has gone wrong has gotten this wrong. I think what so often happens, it's the same order. We are to love the Lord. I worked on that for a while. We are to love the Lord, and the Lord then loves us. Well, he loves us first, but it's like this reciprocal. We love the Lord with all our heart. He's loving us with all of his heart. And then we have this incredible power from the Lord because of his love flowing in us that we can now love all these people. And it's this beautiful deal, and it's the right order, and the order is everything. But if we switch the order, it changes everything. And so let me just show you what happens when we switch it. What happens? When we go to the people first, and then the people to us, and then to God. We flip the whole thing upside down. And what happens when I love people and try to fit God into that? I've become a people pleaser. And then when the things of God are unpopular, I change them. And I'm doing exactly what the priest did by saying, no, that offering's fine. No, that offering's fine. You're good. Every pastor who's ever fallen, every Christian who's ever watered down their faith as they stopped honoring the Lord has done the great exchange. It's supposed to be God and then people, and they switch it. People first, and then the leftovers to God. And it never works. And it creates this incredibly confusing version of Christianity. And the things of God become wearisome. And honoring the name of people becomes empowering. And so how do we, as the priesthood, avoid this? I think we go back and ask the Lord, beg the Lord, that Psalm 51 passage, Lord, would you rekindle in my heart this passion to honor your name above all else? I think we find the truth of God even when it's hard in this book and we trust that the Lord knows what he's doing. You realize, remember when I said that in 2 Timothy, Paul was tired. It's the last book that he wrote. Well, here's one of the last things that he said. He said, Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God 
It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. And I charge you in the presence of God, Timothy, and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Timothy, I charge you to preach the word. Now, me as a pastor, this is definitely applicable, but for you as the priesthood of believers, you don't get a hall pass. And that is how the world will know the holy God we serve and the great gift that Jesus gives us to have a relationship with him through his blood. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming, Timothy, when people will not endure sound teaching, but they'll have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Do you see that? They're going to find teachers that have switched the God and people formula. And they're going to have people then God. And they're going to find them because they want people that will tell them what they want to hear, which will lead them further away from God. They'll turn away from listening to the truth, wander off into myths, but as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. That is as true for me as it is for you. So I want to land the plane here. Our hope is not in this simple, like, Lord, I want to rekindle my love for you, and then I want to be a faithful person in the priesthood of believers. Our hope, first and foremost, is Christ. It's not in us Christians. And the greatest high priest to ever live, to ever walk the earth, is Jesus himself. And in Hebrews 4, it says this, Since we have this great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Then Hebrews 16 Speaking of Jesus, as we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Your soul is anchored by something. And if it's not anchored by Christ, you are drifting further and further from the Lord. And the call is for us to honor the Lord, set him apart as Lord. Ask for strength from him to do that. And you know what? Our offerings will take care of themselves. Will quoted it earlier tonight, but Romans 10, 11 says, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. When you honor the Lord and call out to him, he will honor you and you will not be put to shame. Let's bring back the hard parts of the Bible. Let's teach the whole counsel of God. And I also have this like one little prayer and I'll tell you my little prayer. My little prayer is this, that if I get to the point when I can't bear the yoke of walking with Jesus anymore and I might do something that would cause a bunch of you to stumble or walk away from the faith, my prayer is the same that Benjamin Hastings has in his song called Homeward. 
He says, I'm out here in the open trying to stay the path. Somewhere in between the promise and this place, it comes to pass. And the place it comes to pass. And who knows what it'll cost me or how long it'll last. But I told you I'd follow. I'll never take it back for I know you're faithful. And I'm waiting for a wealth of promises, but I know you're able. So if I ever stumble, if I ever stray, won't you call me homeward? Won't you call me homeward? I'd rather be with the Lord than give one more person an excuse to not know him. This should be the heart of the pastor. This should be the heart of the priesthood of believers. It's the heart of Jesus pointing us to the truth of the deep and swift and strong love of God. So may we fear him, may we revere him, and be madly in love with him as he is with us. And when you lose your grip, may he never lose his. Don't let the fallen keep you from knowing and honoring the one who never fails. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you, though all others may. He is faithful, trustworthy, and true. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would stir in our hearts a radical desire to set Jesus apart as Lord and to honor him. Lord, may our offerings be adjusted as necessary after that. But Lord, you have shown us such great honor by sending your son. Lord, would you give us a desire to honor you and to be those in the priesthood of believers who are showing people you, the holy, true, wonderful God that you are. Lord, would you put your finger on anything in our lives that does not please you because you love us. It's in Jesus' name I pray, Lord. Amen. Amen.